Welcome to the Responsible Finance Podcast, the official podcast of the Responsible Finance and Investment Foundation. I am Blake Goode, the CEO of the RFI Foundation, a global nonprofit organization working to build awareness, promote research, and encourage convergence in the responsible finance industry, including socially responsible investment, ESG, Islamic finance, and impact investment. The purpose of the Responsible Finance Podcast is to connect you to the leaders behind innovative approaches to creating positive social impact in responsible finance. We've been doing the podcast now for a year. This is our 13th episode. And so we're going to change the podcast up for this episode with a guest host. Our guest host is Stuart Hutton, Chief Investment Officer of Simply Ethical, and he'll interview me about the RFI Foundation. In our conversation, we discuss the history of the RFI Foundation, why it was set up, what it has accomplished so far, and what we're working on for the rest of the year. We had a lot of good conversations in the first year of the podcast, and we are always interested to have feedback, especially about what we are discussing each month. If you have suggestions for future guests, please drop us an email at info at rfi-foundation.org or tweet it to us at RFI Foundation. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to this RFI podcast. My name is Stuart Hutton. I'm Chief Investment Officer of Simply Ethical, and I'm the guest host for this week. I'd like to welcome uh, the CEO, Blake Good, uh, who is actually going to be our guest this week. Welcome, Blake. Thank you. How are you today? Doing well. Uh, waiting, for, waiting for the smoke to clear in. Uh, in the Northwest, uh, in the U.S., but uh, otherwise, otherwise good. Yeah, you've had some hot weather with the, with the, with the fires, so uh, I hope that kind of clears soon and you get some rain. But listen, it's really good to speak to you today, and uh, thank you for taking this time out, and certainly to invite me to be as guest host. And just to start off, what I'd like um, you to talk about is, perhaps you could just give our listeners a, a basic of o- overview of what the RFI's proposition is for Islamic finance. And maybe kind of talk a bit more how it connects to the the broader responsible finance industry. Sure. Uh, The RFI Foundation is the Responsible Finance and Investment Foundation. Um, It was set up in 2015 on the idea that Islamic finance has uh, a strong link to some of the overall value proposition of the responsible finance industry that hadn't been uh, advanced as much as it could uh, in terms of looking at the role of social uh, and environmental uh, uh, impact uh, from the financial sector uh, that's sort of part and parcel with uh, not just the Sharia compliance, but the, the Sharia basis uh, for Islamic finance. And so RFI was set up to, to explore that, to build links with um, the rest of the responsible finance industry and help the Islamic finance industry to understand more fully what the opportunity is from expanding their uh, practices beyond uh, just Sharia compliance and into a Sharia-based uh, focus that includes social and environmental uh, impact. Wow. And, and who originally thought about this? Where did this kind of um, idea of the foundation came from? There were a couple. Uh, the original idea started towards the end of 2014 into the beginning of 2015 uh, with uh, some of our founding trustees, uh, Professor Rifat uh, Abdel Karim and Dr. Saeed Farouk and uh, Sarah Martin, uh, all 
coming up with similar concepts of where Islamic finance uh, should be headed next uh, as it's developed into a $2 trillion industry. What are the next steps that's going to take, take it to the next level of growth and the next level of impact? And so from there, uh, the Board of Trustees was put together uh, with really a cross-section of leaders uh, from across the Islamic finance industry uh, in Europe, uh, specifically uh, the UK, uh, the Middle East, and Southeast Asia. And it brought together these leaders who recognized that there was so much potential from Islamic finance to address social and environmental issues that hadn't necessarily been, uh, been taken advantage of by the, by the industry as a key opportunity for future growth, uh, for future increase in the value proposition that they're able to offer to customers. And as the customer base for Islamic finance gets younger uh, and the millennial generation uh, becomes more and more important, and a more uh, and more in control of, of larger sh share of global wealth, uh, these types of ideas are going to be important for the business proposition uh, of Islamic finance. And, and our trustees have have been I think early on the bandwagon maybe of recognizing that opportunity and are trying to to really share that message more broadly with the Islamic finance industry. No, that's really interesting because. Um... I mean, you know, I've been involved, you know, like so I've been involved with the Islamic finance industry for probably the best part of 10 years now. And even though we've seen quite big growth, one of the things has been is how, how it grows in the future and how it can share those values. And I mean, that would be quite an interesting kind of thing to follow up from your, your first few points here. I mean, how do you see it connecting? And you talked about this value proposition. How do you see it connecting into that really broader kind of SRI market going forward? So the original uh, the original focus on Sharia compliance has tended to be has tended to focus on transactional equity, uh, putting the participants in financial transactions on equal footing with one another, uh, encouraging transparency in what uh, what was being agreed to. Uh, there's sort of ideas that go back a long way uh, within Islam about. Uh, putting contracts down in writing so that there's, so that you reduce the contractual uncertainty that is, uh, that can affect how a transaction uh, works out either for good or for bad for, for both parties. Um, so, and trying to put, put the two parties on equal footing so that one doesn't have the opportunity to take advantage of the other. And that's sort of at the, at the most simple level uh, where uh, being social, socially responsible uh, originates from, uh, and then over time, as we've seen more convergence into the SRI space of around environmental and social impact, you can build upon the idea of uh, reducing reducing the opportunity for one party to take advantage of the other uh, into a more broad concept of, in the financial sector, where uh, financial institutions and their customers are sort of two starting stakeholders. And then if you think and expand out the, the different stakeholders who are involved uh, and affected by economic activity and the financial sector, you, you're really trying to, to make sure that you're meeting, meeting the needs of the parties today without compromising uh, the need of uh, society uh, and other stakeholder groups over the long term, which is sort of ties into the, to what sustainability is uh, typically defined as of meeting the needs of the present without compromising the, the need, the ability to meet the needs of future generations. And this is, this is fascinating because when you think about it, you know, it's very 
much the, the focus of the, what we would consider the, the broader responsible industry, which has been more kind of ESG factor focused over the last decade or so. Do you see that the opportunity exists for the RFI and it's kind of way it's collaboratively working to try and make the whole market change? Is this a kind of a, a big market change or is it more of just being able to elevate Islamic finance into a, a bigger sector? Yeah, so there's, there's definitely opportunities on both sides. Uh, the specific uh, techniques that have been developed to, to take non-financial factors and put them into, into a business, uh, business case, which is at the core of what ESG uh, is. SRI tends to be more of, of focused on aligning, aligning values, which is where Islamic finance is typically developed from. But it's, the financial sector is, uh, is a competitive market uh, environment. And so there's always the balance between aligning values uh, between customers and a financial institution and making a business case that a financial institution can take forward uh, with their shareholders uh, of what they're offering to, to customers. And so I think that there's, there, there have been all these different uh, layers of, of attempts to, to make a better contribution by the financial sector to the overall economy uh, that's being done in different ways, depending on where you're looking, that mm -hmm. it's time for some, to bring some of these themes more closely together so that uh, Islamic finance can show, showcase how it's uh, taken a, a real focus on the real economy, uh, on transactional equity, uh, and on relative, with a disfavor towards uh, debt finance, um, mm -hmm. not as something to completely avoid, but that there's positives and negatives associated with uh, with debt, and there needs to be some sort of balance. Uh, and I think that's yeah. that concept of balance transcends a lot of the different areas in responsible finance. Uh, whether yeah. you're talking about balancing the needs of present and future generations, or financial institutions and society, uh, and that's I think where the start for the overlap comes together and then as it's moved forward there's there's lots of business opportunities and, and uh, whether it's on the risk management side or on the the new new business generation um, that come from looking more deeply at things that don't show up on the balance sheet but nonetheless have financial materiality uh, either now or uh, likely in the future that's it's great i mean it's it's really good to hear that you know yourself and the rfi are you know, achieving and looking at uh, approaching it this way and understanding that market. I mean, tell me a little bit more about the kind of RFI so the listeners can understand kind of how it's set up and kind of who's engaged and involved with it at the moment. Yeah, so we're set up as a, as a membership organization uh, working and our members are made up of financial institutions uh, from around the world. Uh, what we're, we have sort of three, uh, three areas of work, uh, awareness building, uh, promoting research and encouraging convergence. And we found that there's been a lot of development uh, over the past three years uh, on the awareness side of, of recognizing that there's this overlap uh, of priorities of principles between Islamic finance and other parts of responsible finance. And there's been some research that we've done um, and then other research that uh, has been done elsewhere that has shown that there really is uh, a rising level of awareness uh, by financial institutions uh, on a on a very high level, 
Uh, and there's still some gaps, uh, some fairly significant gaps in terms of how those uh, that awareness is translating into implementation. And so that's where we've focused a lot of our work is yeah. how do you wrap your head around the opportunities uh, across responsible finance because it's a huge and very diverse industry. How did uh, each institution look at where the opportunity set is for them, where the risks are for them, uh, where you don't have to, to reinvent all these different approaches. You can uh, bring, in, uh, bring in what works from, from one area, apply it in Islamic finance, for example, uh, yeah. and really cut down the, the time that you need to, if you were to start just trying to develop everything uh, fresh in the context of Islamic finance, uh, there's there's resources that have been developed that can be that can be borrowed and uh, developed and made applicable for Islamic finance that don't have to be don't have to start from the ground floor. Mm. And so that's mm. what we're trying to encourage really with our members to help them find find these opportunities to you know take take beneficial shortcuts. Uh, mm. Yeah, no. I mean, that, that's that's quite a big ask, isn't it, in some ways? I mean, obviously, the RFI has been around for now, say, two and a half years or so, you explained three years. Um, how, how are you starting to, um, and this is a bit of a leading question, because I think I know the answer already. Um, how are you starting to uh, kind of get out more in terms of being able to spread that good word and getting the greater engagement around the globe? Yeah, so we've had uh, three conferences so far. Uh, the first one was in uh, Kuala Lumpur uh, in 2016. And then we've had two annual conferences in Zurich the last two years. Uh, and the most recent one focused on the on trying to, to look ahead a bit to, okay, you can start from a values-based uh, perspective of the SRI mindset uh, towards responsible finance. And that's where, and develop on from there uh, the business case of ESG. Uh, and that's that's a process that each institution is going through. But we found that it was, we, we felt that it was important to, to look ahead and see where, where are things headed in responsible finance uh, today? Where is it going to be in five years? And the, the real big shift that we see coming is that there's a focus uh, on moving away from a process-focused uh, approach and towards an outcome-focused approach. And so that really shifts the discussion uh, towards impact and social environmental impact uh, that financial institutions are making and have to, have to be more aware of and more conscious of and more, I guess, proactive in terms of how they think about, about their, their business growth over, over the medium term. Uh, and so we brought together some examples of uh, and some case studies for the summit in Zurich this year of uh, impact-focused companies that were working around the financial space and giving them a chance to share their experience to uh, develop, I guess, develop the vision for other financial institutions about where they should be looking to head. And so I think that was really uh, a really successful way to to break break sort of out of the incremental mindset a little bit, at least for a for a few days, uh, to say you know where are we headed, and then I think that starts to to get people thinking about okay, how do we get there? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and having attended all three summits, you know, I've been witness to that kind of 
uh, direction of travel. And, um, and I, I do remember clearly uh, the interview I did with Dr. Jamila Mahmood, who also is, of course, one of your trustees, um, you know, about the, the uh, project with the um, International Committee of the Red Cross. Um, and, you know, you, to, to understand some of the things that are going on and to be able to share these, there's no doubt that the people who were there at the summit um, benefited from the experience and the knowledge and the, the ideas that were coming from that. And in fact, the last two summits, you've also held a, a bit of a challenge as well, I believe. Um, obviously, and that's been quite interesting. Can you tell us maybe just a, just a minute about that as well? Yeah, it's the Support Disruption for Good Challenge. And it was uh, it was designed to, to highlight some of the uh, more social entrepreneur uh, side of things about uh, financial, ins financial institutions and uh, products of different financial institutions that were really explicitly focused on promoting something aligned to the sustainable development goals and using that to hold them up as an example of what's possible uh, as an inspiration for for other financial institutions and a way for them to get their uh, get their name out there uh, though we did a the challenge the first year with just just one winner uh, and that was Tez uh, financial which does uh, nano loans in, in Pakistan uh, the second uh, year just uh, this past April, uh, we focused on agriculture, uh, healthcare, and sustainable cities, and had a range of, of really interesting uh, uh, winners from each category, one around innovative ways to finance uh, green, green building uh, improvements uh, that had an overlap into the uh, surely compliant um, space. And we've seen some of that uh, overlap with uh, developments in, in the cryptocurrency with uh, Stellar, uh, which was the is the cryptocurrency that that they're using the blockchain that they're using um, as third act uh, has been uh, identified as being Sharia compliant uh, just recently. Imbonis was a is a agriculture focused uh, credit uh, credit assessment uh, product. So they're they're looking at how do you uh, how do you uh, channel more finance to the agriculture SME sector uh, by uh, increasing the ability of financial institutions to evaluate credit risk uh, more effectively and more accurately uh, to open up channels for new capital to that sector. Um, and then aid tech uh, has been using a blockchain focus uh, for uh, increasing access to healthcare. Uh, and their first, their first experiment on this was in Tanzania. Uh, and they've made some great progress in that area and many other applications of similar uh, technology uh, around the world. Mm. Yeah, excellent. No, and this, this is really good because to say it, it's spreading kind of very much the and sharing the, the, the good knowledge and experience these people have. Um, what, one of the things you started earlier this year was the uh, emissary program. So how, how's that evolving at the moment? And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the emissary program, um, which uh, you were one of the the people that suggested the original idea to us and, and it's, it's turned out to be a really, really valuable thing. Social media is great for connecting with lots of people, but the connections tend to be fairly shallow. Uh, and the, the focus of the emissary program is that RFI to get its, its uh, message out there uh, is really can really benefit from people who believe in, in what we're doing, uh, who are just sharing, sharing the word about, uh, about the RFI Foundation in their day-to-day -day activity, and you know, as a way to to connect 
them to what RFI is doing. Um, we've put together this emissary network that helps build more, build smaller group uh, networks between people who share, to share the common vision of, of RFI uh, to help one another and in the process uh, spread, spread the word about the RFI foundation. And so we have, I think about 10, uh, 10 emissaries uh, to start with. Yeah, and we're looking, yeah, we're looking to, to grow that, uh, to grow that uh, more organically uh, and slower to, to really preserve that. Uh, you don't need to, you're not always going to be effective reaching the maximum number of people. Sometimes it's more effective to, to start uh, with smaller, smaller groups. People work better in smaller groups sometimes uh, at figuring out where are the common interests? How do we advance uh, what we're trying to do? How do we, uh, how do we improve what's being done and inspire other people to, to take action? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is better done on a one-on-one -on -one basis or on a small group basis. And so the emissary network is really trying to bring together people that, that share a common, common idea about uh, where we should be headed and want to work collaboratively uh, both with uh, to help RFI and to, to also uh, for their own uh, benefit um, to, to move, move the discussion forward, increase awareness of what RFI is doing and uh, bring in more people into, into that network. Yeah, and certainly when we, we first talked about it and it was put forward to the, the, trust, the Board of Trustees, very much the focus for the emissaries was to be able to, to be out there across the globe in your own work and what you're doing and to, to feel it was natural to talk about the, the work of the RFI and how that collaboration was kind of being effective in the work you're doing. But as you said, also from an internal perspective, it's allowing us to share a lot of very good ideas and and despite it being just a small group, it's about centralizing it and getting it that's strong that it can then evolve into maybe uh, more different types of factions that are able to kind of focus around the globe on different types of areas in that broader marketplace. So yeah, I think it's as a program, it's 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 very smart and clever, and uh, and uh, hopefully it'll start to evolve and develop. So um, you know, thank you for your support with that, definitely. So so since the summit. Um, you know, what, what have you basically kind of came up? What have you been doing since the summit, and, and what do you think about the next steps, really? Yeah, we have a lot, a lot uh, underway, as I mentioned, of making a transition of uh, towards a lot more focus on the implementation side, uh, where we've seen there's a greater need right now. Uh, I'll sort of try to be modest about our contribution to the awareness <laughs> side, but I mean, that has been a big focus and we've seen uh, in terms of the, some of the metrics we track that there has been a lot of, a lot of engagement uh, through some of the activities that we've, that we've undertaken uh, to, to build that awareness level to the point where it is now, you can ask 32 Islamic financial institutions, is sustainable finance overlapping with Islamic finance? And, and most of them will say yes. Uh, and so we have some uh, some programs under development to to move the move the implementation side uh, forward, uh, help Islamic financial institutions connect with some of the resources that are out there, uh, and help some of the resources that are out there um, understand what Islamic financial institutions are looking for. Uh, so that's one area. Uh, the next the next public uh, uh, area that we're uh, going to be sharing is a partnership agreement that comes out of one of the roundtables uh, that we held in Zurich. Uh, and 
the broad theme of it was blockchain for sustainable and inclusive finance. And our roundtable had two parts, one focused on the blockchain side, one focused on how faith-based uh, financial institutions uh, are involved with, uh, and faith-based organizations are involved with the sustainable and inclusive finance market. And so what, we've, what we're taking forward with this partnership agreement is let's put together a common ground, uh, recognize the diversity and approach, and embrace that as, as something that's healthy for the market to be doing so that we don't need to think about standardization of sustainable and inclusive finance, but, but take advantage of, of the diversity of approaches and give, uh, give people the ability to mark what commitments they're making, map, map it over time uh, for themselves, use it as a baseline for how they uh, evaluate the progress and demonstrate to their stakeholders that what they say today will be done and executed on over the next couple of years. And when they go to look back in two years, they'll have a reference point of, we made this commitment at this time to do this. Uh, and so what we're trying to do here is pull together a network of different stakeholders, whether it's financial institutions, fintech companies, blockchain companies, NGOs, uh, around this idea that there should be a place to fix commitments in time so that we don't have uh, goalposts moving um, and so that you can, so that when uh, an evaluation is done ex post, there's a reference point against which uh, a specific commitment that was made at a specific time can be referenced and used as basis for evaluation. Uh, either an internal evaluation uh, or one that's, that's made public uh, and what we're trying to, to do is, is see how blockchain can be useful in that process. It's, there's lots of uh, possibilities and promise from blockchain. Some of it is at a technologically uh, underdeveloped stage where um, some of the theoretical possibilities aren't possible today. But there are some areas where the immutability of, of what's attached to the blockchain can be can be used in a way to, to make commitments more credible by financial institutions. And as they demonstrate that they take commitments and, and act on them, it builds, up, uh, it builds up the credibility in the sustainable and inclusive finance world. And it increases trust uh, and rebuilds trust between the broader stakeholder groups and the financial sector, which has been, I think, the main need for the financial sector overall since the financial crisis. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and is this something which is, you talked earlier about moving to an outcome focus. Is this something that's kind of keyed up towards that, you feel? I think it, initially it's going to be focused on uh, dynamic consistency. So being able to, to have credible commitments that stand up over time uh, mm -hmm. and and that's the immediate focus, but the way that the way that we're thinking through it is that as we move towards this outcome-focused model, there's the 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 blockchain is is a tool that can help uh, help measure and validate impact, and so we're sort of mindful in in thinking through what the how to meet the current needs and make something that has a, a appealing business uh, proposition to to the financial sector, that there's also uh, the, the ability to extend it um, 
into an impact focused uh, future. Yeah, which is, which is important because, as you say, this is you know this is all evolving around us as as we speak. So it's going to be uh, you know, how how the blockchain fits into this and and the, the proof of evidence and and the, the way it works is going to be quite key. And obviously, aligning with those sustainable development goals over the next you know, 10, 12 years is going to be also you know essential and critical. Um, you know, and obviously, I mean, if people want to find out more about this, or you know, certainly are interested in becoming signatories, um, how can they do that? Uh, right now, we uh, are uh, working with a sort of one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, with different stakeholders. So the easiest way to get in touch is to email us at uh, info at rfi-foundation.org uh, for information about the partnership agreement uh, and becoming a signatory. Uh, for more information about RFI in general, uh, rfi-foundation.org is our website and our uh, Twitter feed, uh, where we try to share the latest updates, is at RFI Foundation. That's fantastic. So, uh, listeners, this is this is where you go to find out more about it. And anything coming up for the rest of the year? What's what's the rest of the year look like for you? Yeah, we're looking forward to to being involved with Islamic Finance Week uh, in the UK at the beginning of September. Uh, I'll be over there for the for the full week. Um, and then later in September, the launch of this partnership agreement is going to be happening. Uh, at the People and Planet Conference in Buenos Aires alongside the uh, G20. Uh, and so excited about that. We have that uh, busy, busy month and, and into the fall coming up for us. Yeah, no, no. I, and I look forward to seeing you both. So it's, it's going to be a, a, an exciting time. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time um, you've taken today, Blake, you know, to talk us through about the RFI and, and it's certainly its engagement. Um, hopefully the listeners have enjoyed this journey and to understand more about uh, what's going on in the future. And uh, obviously look forward to hearing more about it at some point soon. Thank you. No problem. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to the RFI podcast. And I uh, uh, hope to speak to you again soon. It's Stuart Hutton here from Simply Ethical. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the Responsible Finance Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. If you want to stay updated about RFI's work, you can find the link to subscribe to our newsletter on our Twitter feed, at RFI Foundation. You can also follow me, at Sharing Risk. If you have suggestions for future guests, please drop us an email at, please drop us an email at info at rfi-foundation.org or tweet it to us, at RFI Foundation. Hope you'll join us for our next podcast.